the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome back. As we head into Hour 2, it's a delight to bring back uh, Representative David Schweikert. He represents Arizona's 1st Congressional District once we uh, broadcast from and uh, where I live. Congressman Schweikert, how are you, sir? I am very well. And forgive me for sending you all that um, sort of geeky number stuff. Yeah, you like doing that to me, don't you? You like over, yeah, yeah. You, li- well, you like whelming me with data. Get, yeah, any opportunity I get to screw with lawyers, it um, <laughs> provides me little bits of joy. <laughs> Retirees face seventeen. Uh, yeah, that's that's. Listen, I want to I want to get to some of this in a moment. Uh, let me ask you a, a psychological question first, if I might. You had um, you had put over on X or Twitter uh, that story from the Washington Post that reported 91,000 migrants crossing uh, the border in a family group were arrested in August, uh, that the Biden administration's border policies aren't working and we're witnessing a full-blown humanitarian crisis. The question I have is this, and I get this from the audience all the time. Help me give the answer, because I don't know how to answer it anymore, which is there are clearly Democrats who can see things for what they are. Why is it so few of them are willing to say much about this are they so wedded to their left-wing base that they know they can't or shan't if they want to be politically feasible or is it something else david do they truly believe uh absent all facts to 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 the contrary that everything is just fine it can't possibly be the latter can it I, I, I don't believe it is the latter. I think it though became part of their hierarchy of their belief system okay remember 15 years ago, it was Democrats who wanted to lock up the border right. because they believed it hurt working men and women. Correct. When working men and women, you know, the working middle class stopped voting for the left, stopped voting for Democrats, Democrats basically said, screw them. They abandoned working people. Because remember the old mantra, you know, those Republicans. Republicans want open borders for cheap labor, and we as Democrats, we're going to stop immigration because it crushes working men and women's salaries, their wages, because they have to compete against cheaper labor. Right. That was, I actually have a whole file of ads and, and articles and editorials from Democrats from 15 years ago. It wasn't that long ago. This was during when George Bush was talking about immigration reform and those things, and Union Democrats just ripped him. That's right. That's right. And But what happened when a guy named, what's his name? Oh, yeah, President Donald Trump talked about locking up the border, you know, things of that nature. Well, if he did it, they have to be on the opposite side. Uh-huh. It became a, it's like abortion and so many other things. It became sort of a, um, place setter for their ideology. You have to believe these things to be a good Democrat. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And now you have this world where how do they admit that the very thing they stood for, open borders, 
isn't compassionate, it isn't merciful, it's cruel, and think about what it's done to our neighborhood. Right. And if, if you live in Phoenix, uh, Seth, even in your neighborhood, you live in a zip code that homelessness has doubled. I've seen it. Over the last couple of years. I've seen it. I haven't seen um, it double, the, but I've seen things that I didn't used but, to see. Yeah, but that, yeah. But that's the mask we're right. seeing in some of the right. um, population surveys. Right. Um, you're now actually seeing issues of how many times have you run into discussions about kids in your neighborhood accessing fentanyl, mm-hmm. um, having to have Narcan. The great story of the Phoenix Library going through its entire Narcan supply in like two days. Yep, yep. Yep. Absolutely. These are derivatives. If you just, it's even outside the politics, almost think like an economist. Mm-hmm. Second degree, third degree effects. You open up, you create an incentive, open up the border, or create an environment where it's not locked up. What did you think was going to happen to communities? And one of the great ironies is last week when the very wealthy, the you know, leaders, these, these multi-billionaires in New York City, the business leadership, you know, in Manhattan puts out a letter demanding President Trump give them money. Right. Because of these immigrants being dropped off. Where the hell were these people over the last couple of years on what was happening to the border state? They were declaring themselves sanctuary cities, so to speak. I call them nullification so, cities, but that's so what they the, were doing. So the yeah. arrogance, right. the arrogance of the left is... It wasn't a real issue till it affected right, right. their social ca- their social calendar. Right. The rest right. of the flyover country, screw you, you suffer. You watch your neighborhoods become sort of chaos. Yeah, and and is that really a Republican or Democrat issue? In some ways, the the cruelty of what will happen over the next decade to working people's wages because you've imported so much low to moderate skill labor. But also what we've done to our neighborhood. This is what you get when ideology over just basic thinking. Do you see it in Congress, David, um, a, a kind of regional sneering, if you will, on this and other policies, perhaps from from uh, representatives who represent uh, coastal states? Oh, yeah. do, you, do you see kind of a sneering attitude about the Southwest? Yeah, yeah um, it's... We had a fairly good Republican election in New York. We took a number of seats that we weren't supposed to take. And even those New York Republicans yeah. now are coming up to me and going, you know, you guys got to stop sending these migrants, these undocumented to my district. I can't believe how upset everyone is. And this, that. I'm looking at them going, where have you been the last couple of years? Yeah. Yeah. Um, it, it, it was almost like. That's not their problem. That's your problem. And you're not. And and you guys, you know, it's uncomfortable to talk about because the Democrats had been so effective in turning it into sort of racial discussion. Yeah. And it wasn't. Yeah. This was a humanitarian. When you talk about what's happened in so many neighborhoods, it's cruel. Yeah. This was. But um, now all of a sudden they're facing because we've set a tiny tiny portion of the numbers and look at how they've freaked oh, out. Oh, they've gone berserk. They've gone berserk. You know, it's interesting to check my memory on this, David. Uh, 
we're going back. I'm now re- remembering some of those debates. Oh four, oh five. Is that when this was? I think oh four, oh five, oh six, somewhere around there. Maybe right after the election. Actually, more maybe like oh five, oh six. It wasn't just a plea from the union organizations to tighten the border. I seem to recall a heavy investment in that argument from some of the uh, minority uh, population spokespeople yes. in the African-American and Hispanic. Of course, that goes back a long ways to even to Cesar Chavez's days, as I recall as well. Yes. And many people are very uncomfortable with that. But the fact of the matter is he has some very bold quotes yeah. of undocumented workers crushing the wages of farm workers. Right. Right. That's 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 the memory I was thinking of. And some of that was at play, too. I remember some of those uh, tighter immigration advocates had some pretty broad coalitions that didn't easily check partisan interests, kind of like what school choice used to be, too. I saw in the debate over school choice, you know, I saw a lot of leafy neighborhood more opposed to school choice than a lot of inner city African-American mm-hmm. Democrats. I saw that play out in places like Wisconsin and Michigan and even in New well, Jersey. And, and and a little bit here in Arizona, And a little bit too, here in Arizona, um, too. Where okay. it became fearful of school choice. Yep. Does that mean the demographics yep. of my district yep. change? Yeah. And, you know, look, I'm right now sitting in the truck waiting in line to pick up my little girl. And she's in a class where because it's it's a charter school um the class is truly a rainbow of america yeah in 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 who sits in that class it's basis yeah um and that's great that's wonderful but that's because it's choice yeah look in many ways there are solutions on immigration and we have to deal with the demographic issues of the united states the entire world the industrialized world fertility rates are collapsing there is a battle around the world for educated people, for, for just say smart people. The Canada's, the Australia's, the New Zealand's, the Great Britain's are creating immigration systems where they make it very easy if you have skill sets to immigrate. We're going to have to have that same discussion here in the United States, whether we're because of our demographics. But when you open up the border, it makes it impossible then to have rational immigration fix discussion. I believe you're right. I have to. Uh, do you have to pick up your girl? I have to take a commercial break. Either way, we're, we're good. This is a long line. Okay, good. We'll take our commercial break. Come back and we'll do some of that data you sent me that I'm trying to figure out. I was told when I signed up for this job, it was my understanding I would not need to know math. But you can be my math tutor. <laughs> okay, an old Saturday Night Line joke. I'm glad you got it, David. Uh, David Schweikert, and I'll be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Leibson Show. David Schweikert, representing Arizona's 1st Congressional District, is my guest. All right, David, let's do some numbers here. You're trying to wake up the country on this. Um, Social um, Security. Okay. Yes. Let, let's, yeah. yeah, let's first um, set this up. Um, talking about Social Security or Medicare, it, for many politicians, is a career ender. You're not supposed to tell the truth. You're <laughs> not supposed to talk about it. The president in his State of the Union address got a standing ovation for basically wiggling his finger, particularly at Republicans, saying you're not allowed to talk about it, even though... Eight or nine years from now, the Social Security Trust Fund is empty 
And no, they didn't steal the money. They loan it, and then they get the money back with interest. They get actually an interest step. The average couple in America will get about a $70,000, $72,000 spit, more than they put in, which is a horrible rate of return. you got to understand, it's a miserable rate of return. You would have, if back when George Bush tried to take a little, have the discussion of a little bit of your Social Security um, tax going into a private account, you would be dramatically wealthier today. But the left and some of the groups that advertise all the time crush that idea. So here we are. Eight or nine years from now, the average couple in America gets a $17,200 cut in their Social Security check because the trust fund's gone. We double poverty. We double poverty of seniors in America in eight or nine years from now. And no one's willing to talk about it. The reason I sent you that memo or those numbers is to show the talking heads who are on the left think, well, just raise the Social Security tax cap. Okay, fine. It all it doesn't even cover a third of the shortfall. That's right. It's and what, that, like 150, that, 160 billion bucks is all it does, right? Yeah, something yeah, like that. Uh, yeah. If you, a hard number, a couple hundred billion, if you then do the dynamic score of how much tax avoidance this, you get about 158 billion yeah. for taking everyone from 162,200 up giving them no benefit. Yeah. You get no benefit for paying the, the tax on all your income. So this is, guy makes a billion dollars a year. He pays 12.4% um, tax on it. It would only raise about $158 billion. Seth, take a look at the numbers. What's the very first year shortfall? So this is eight or nine years from now. Yeah, What's it's about 25% reduction, right? Yeah. No, 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 no. The shortfall in dollars. Oh, we're looking at it's about 600, 600 and, and some odd billion, aren't we? $616 billion yeah. shortfall. Yeah. yeah. When, when, uh, so the, I had a debate a while back. It was a friendly debate. We were talking about these things. And the nice young student stood up and said, well, all you have to do is tax people over $400,000 and make them pay the FICA tax. And I did the math on the board. And they just stared at me like that can't be real. If you take people $400,000 and up, charge them the 12.4% FICA tax, so you give them no benefit, you get $80 billion a year. Okay? My shortfall is 616. Where would you like to get the other 500, and what is that, $536 you know, billion of shortfall the first year? This is huge. This is stunningly big numbers. And... No one was willing to talk about it. Matter of fact, I have some group running ads attacking me for talking about this. Uh-huh. I'm and sure. that's how sick American politics are. They care more about winning the next election, destroying Republicans for daring to try to save the moral battle to save something like Social Security. And to prevent elder poverty, the poverty and the retire. And, and I mean, this is this but is the, the ads. We, these are the really, ads we need to run. We need to run that the Democrats are going to double. They're going to double age poverty. That's but they what, don't care. It's right. all about scare enough people with crazy language, win the election. And every day it goes by. These numbers are so monstrous. Um, it's becoming very difficult to fix. And we were so close to an agreement 
And President Biden blew us up in his State of the Union address because they cared more about winning the next election cycle than they did saving Social Security and Medicare. Often there's going to be a lobby or an interest group behind some of this stuff uh, or anything Mm -hmm. that's resistant. It doesn't seem to me that there's a natural one here other than literally the DNC. Um, I think it's more complex. Okay. Um, there's so many groups that have misrepresented the numbers and pretended thing. You know, I, the number of discussions I get with independents and moderates and those, oh, if you just raise the tax cap, everything's fine. And that's why I'm on this tirade right now trying to show the updated math that raising the cap, even if you raise the cap on every dime, so there is no Social Security cap, you hit 160000 the next dollar still gets the full um, Social Security tax, it only covers, at best, a quarter or a third of the shortfall. Okay. Okay. I wanted to compliment you for something you said last week, and thank you, by the way, for your um, I, my scheduling mishap uh, when you were on with the Superintendent of Public Instruction. I wanted to, I wanted to make sure I complimented you on something you said. You, you said you were just an amateur when it came to education, and I loved that you said that because it means yeah. it means someone who actually loves what the issue is about rather than is a professional in the issue. Amateur is amore. It comes from amore. It means love. Well, And I, and I think we, we have too often professionalized things that people who just are in it for the love of it should be listened to yeah, more. Seth, I, I just wanted to compliment enough. you on that. Huh? I, I need to take you some other place. Um People that get elected, we had this running joke. What are the two times in life you think you know everything? <laughs> when you're 13 years old and the day you get elected to public office. <laughs> okay, all right. <laughs> and what you learn is the real world is complex. Yeah. For everyone that's listening right now, you've spent years becoming an expert of what you do. What makes you think some guy gets elected all of a sudden is an expert yeah. of what you do for a living? Right. Right. Um, and, and, and look, I, I'm, I'm an absolute expert on the budget, the deficit, Medicare finance. I've spent you know, a decade working my hiney off to become an expert in these numbers. I don't do defense policy. I don't do education policy. But if you want to know about taxes, trade, Medicare financing, you know, I, I've worked very hard at that. But that's the point. When there's complexity, you want people who actually work on it. I just, you know, I just wish there were more people that would join your cause on this stuff, David, because, I mean, I, you know, we've got one guy, one guy doing this, one guy signing the it, it sounding is shocking the siren. How many, yeah. It is shocking how many people claim they care about debt and deficits, and the moment you say, look, we've got to have an honest conversation, it's our demographics, we got old, this yeah. is where 100% of the next 30 years of borrowing is coming from. And they run away from. I was just going to say the hills say get that. the hills get very crowded at that yeah. point. Yeah, it's a little lonely, but yeah. <laughs> the math the math will always win. All right, brother. Uh, say hi to your girl for me, and I will talk to you later. Thank you, David Schweiker. Take care, Seth. You bet. Oh, I have never heard that intro before. Welcome back to the Seth Leibson Show. Are global leaders developing solutions that promote freedom and quality of life, or are they creating problems and forcing solutions that only benefit the elite? Midas Gold Group believes it's the latter. From draconian COVID restrictions, the decimation of small businesses, changed election laws, 
Midas believes your finances will be next. Under the guise of protecting you, you'll get monetary expansion, national debt, and reduced purchasing power. And their central bank digital currency will virtually eliminate your savings and purchasing privacy. The answer? Convert a portion of your savings or IRA to physical gold and silver. Precious metals are a private currency. They've been used to store wealth throughout history. And thousands of you already know and trust the veterans at Midas Gold Group because they're fighting for your financial freedom and privacy. Call Midas Gold Group today at 480-360-3000. That's 480-360-3000. The only precious metals dealer Seb Gorkin, I trust and use, as thousands of you already do. Also, you can visit them online at MidasGoldGroup.com. Gil, it's nice to see you here. The nicest man in radio visiting, hopefully not injecting coconuts into our white chocolate and making something good bad. Did you hear my in theme? I didn't hear. I, I haven't heard that version of the Love Boat theme song before. They may have, uh, or I may need to trim off that front. Yeah, uh, you intro. may need to trim off the front. See how, were you a Love Boat fan, Gil? Do you have a guess as to who the most frequent guest on the Love Boat was? You know, the show was based on guest star appearances. Who holds the record? David, you hush. See if Gil knows. Who holds the record for most guest appearances on the Love Boat? It's not what you think. I will tell you that. Go ahead. You know how to use a microphone. Was it Dick Van Patten? Oh, it's a good guess. Oh, I bet he's top 10. That's a good guess. The actual answer is Marion Ross. Yes, everyone kind of gives me that look you just gave me when I say that. But let's look up. I bet Dick Van Patten rates. You may have redeemed yourself with that. All right. Here's from the files of the irredeemable. Vice President Kamala, this is not going to go down well. This is not going to go down well. Vice President Kamala Harris, Harris is, in, um, is in Jakarta, and she sat down for an interview with the AP, and she was asked about, um, well, here's the question. Questions about the president's age often go hand-in-hand hand with questions about how you would step in the role if necessary. Do you feel prepared for that possibility? Has serving as vice president prepared you for that job? Yes, replied the vice president in Jakarta. And how would you describe that process, the reporter asked. Well, first of all, let's I'm answering your hypothetical, but Joe Biden is going to be fine, so that is not going to come to fruition. But let us also understand that every vice president, every vice president understands that when they take the oath, that they must be very clear about the responsibility they may have to take over the job of being president. I am no different. She, uh, that is not going to go down well. There's, there's this new book out about the Biden White House by Franklin Four, used to, I think, be an editor at the New Republic from the liberal end. It doesn't look good for the vice president. She evidently, um, she evidently, spends a lot of time obsessing over negative news reports and blaming her staff for them. Uh, She used to have weekly lunches or meetings. I don't remember if it breakfast or lunches, weekly meetings with the president. That has stopped. And then, of course, you know, we are still um, we're still getting her her um, her her statements from Mount Olympus of eloquence about foreign policy, about domestic policy. And when we come back from the other side of this break, 
I'll play you uh, the latest version from uh, Jakarta of Deep Thoughts from Kamala Harris. People talk about running Oprah Winfrey. They talk about running uh, Michelle Obama. They talk uh, Marianne Williamson. She must be very offended because she says the same kinds of things Winfrey and Michelle Obama are saying that Kamala Harris is saying. I mean, Marianne Williams says the same exact stuff, and she's in the race. Why aren't they supporting her with all this? Well, we'll do it when we come right back. Welcome back to the Seth Leibson Show. Was that randomly selected, or did you deliberately play that intro? Uh, that was completely random. Well, you know why it's interesting? Why? That is the theme song from the Mary Tyler Moore Show. I knew that. And the fourth most appearances as a guest on The Love Boat— Gil. <laughs> He's still listening. <laughs> the fourth most appearances on The Love Boat was Ted Knight, famously of the Mary Tyler Moore Show. Okay. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Uh, Dick Van Patten rates. He's in the 75th percentile, but he's not in the upper tier. He's in the second highest tier. But you get you get credit there out of about top, uh, yeah, top top 30 or so, Dick Van Patten. So good good call. Florence Henderson is a close second, by the way. And uh, Ted Knight is fourth. Charo is fifth. Anyway, we could go on, but I think we've probably covered this enough. Adam Carolla's all into this, isn't he? He's been like rewatching The Love Boat, and he, he likes to give summaries of his weekend viewing of The Love Boat because he's what? Trying to understand the culture of the 70s? Is that exactly? Yeah. Send him my way. Send him your way? <laughs> to Why? understand the culture of the 70s. Oh, yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, no, that's right. You could do it. You could do it. Um, okay. Kamala Harris in Jakarta this morning. This is, um, again, I mean, just, okay, here you go. I feel very strongly about um, the importance as a general matter of engaging in U.S. policy as it relates to foreign affairs in a way that we pay attention, of course, to the immediate concerns and threats if they exist, but that we also pay attention to 10, 20, 30 years down the line and what we are developing now that will be to the benefit of our country. Just like I learned in my graduate school course on foreign policy or high school course on international or international and, and, and current affairs. I feel very strongly about the importance as a general matter of engaging in U.S. policy as it relates to foreign affairs in a way that we pay attention to the immediate concerns and threats, if they exist, <laughs> but that we also pay attention to 10, 20, 30 years down the line at what we are developing now that will be to the benefit of our country then. My high school teacher would have put it this way. If you don't think that foreign affairs is about the here and now with an eye towards the future, then you don't belong in high school. I think that's how he would have put it. But this is what Kamala Harris is giving to the AP. As I say, it's got to be very frustrating for Marianne Williamson because she speaks this way. And uh, she's in the race. She's actually in the race. Um, anyway, uh I was telling you yesterday's incredible poll. Seventy three percent of Americans believe that Donald Trump is uh, excuse me. I misstated that. Seventy three percent of Americans believe that Joe Biden is too old 
to run for re-election, and that included 69% of the Democrats surveyed. Huge number, huge number. And perhaps this is why there's renewed interest in Kamala Harris from the AP. Perhaps this is why they sent her to Jakarta as well, where you wouldn't think there would be a lot of attention given to her. But the Washington Post today, in a piece by Aaron Blake, and this isn't an op-ed, Aaron Blake is their, uh, I think he's their senior national political reporter. He's a national political, he's on the news side. He's national political reporter if he's not senior national political reporter at the Washington Post. Washington Post say Biden's age may be a growing problem for his reelection. For the second time in a week, he writes, a poll shows that three-quarters of Americans, including two-thirds of Democrats, consider President Biden too old for the office. And then he gives you some of the poll stats that I gave you. Then he writes this. It's evident that this is a growing problem for Biden. But how much might it actually matter in a deeply polarized country in which the likely alternative might have been found guilty—has been criminally indicted four times? Let's take the first part of that first. Biden's age problem is clearly bigger than it once was. But more specifically, it's a growing perceived mental sharpness problem, according to the polls. And the gap between him and former President Donald Trump on such questions has expanded, has expanded. Now, I saw, uh, I think I was referencing a, a, a Joe Rogan, Bill Maher discussion the other day. I don't know if you saw it, Bill. And Joe Rogan was bringing up this um, declining, declining uh, mental health of Joe Biden. And Bill Maher said, but compared to what? And he said, well, compared to anyone else. And Bill Maher said, well, compared to Donald Trump, the things Joe Biden does and says are far less crazy than the things Donald Trump does and says. And Joe, I have to tell you, it's weird how Donald Trump triggers Bill Maher because he spends, as we've said before and observed before, he'll spend an hour, he'll spend an hour declaiming everything the Biden Democrats stand for and then say, but we can't elect Republicans. And Joe Rogan had a really, a, a very, a very good answer, a very good response, very calm response to Bill Maher. He said, is there any Republican you would support? And Bill Maher would not answer that question. He would, just wouldn't answer it. So, you know, it's it's probably representative. The reason I bring it up is not because either of them, well, I think one of them is a lot smarter than the other, but not because either of them are, you know, giants of 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 great wisdom in the intellectual or political spheres. They're both very competent and, and, and more than competent at it. But the reason I bring it up is I think Bill Maher does speak for a lot of Democrats who know their guy is troubled, um, who know he's knows he's not even really competent anymore in 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 Joe Biden, but they have an India fix and a visceral reaction to ever voting for a Republican, ever. Whether it is Donald Trump or whether it is Chris Christie or, you know, you, that's the range, I think. I think that's the fair range, Trump to Christie. That's, that's as broad a, my, who would be, yeah, I think that's about as fair a valence as you can get. He won't do it. They won't do it. And that's my ongoing curiosity. Why is that? What is it about the Republican brand that cannot move Democrats to our side. It's it's an odd, odd question. Now, 
that does come in contrast to an interesting poll in some battleground states where I saw something like 7% of Biden voters are now considering voting Republican. Not enough, though. Not enough. Am I out of time here, David? Did I lose track? I have one more minute. I have one minute. My, my bad. My, well, all right. Um, you can hit it. Yeah. No? Yeah. Okay. My bad on the clock. We'll be no right problem. back. <laughs> we'll be right back. Welcome back, and uh, thank you to Y-Refi, which is sponsor of uh, this show and uh, one of our great sponsors. They've been getting a lot of uh, response from the listeners, and they and I thank you for supporting uh, an investment that actually helps people. With Y-Refi, you can earn up to a 10.25% fixed rate of return, and it's not correlated to the stock market or the Fed. Federal Reserve, if you're worried about uh, inflation, if you're worrying about stock market volatility. It's an investment where you can turn your income on and off. You can compound it, whatever you like. There are no fees, and there's no reduction or attack on principal. If you ever need your money back at any time, you get a monthly statement, no surprises. Uh, check them out at investyrefi.com. Investyrefi.com to see more about this collateralized and secure portfolio with that great fixed rate of return. Invest, the letter Y, then refy.com, or give them a call at 888-YREFI24. That's 888-YREFI24. I got so many great emails from y'all on our tribute to Jimmy Buffett yesterday with Matt Hoggett. Um, Amazing, not only the spans of ages that wrote in, but also the various songs that meant various things to you and parts of your life. I'll just read one that was very touching regarding a Jimmy Buffett song called Sending the Old Man Home. This comes from a listener. Uh, I'm 67 and have been listening to JB from Radio Song uh, from Radio Song at one, and I'm also a 20-year retired veteran. That song was great when my commander was sent back to the States from Germany, and I was his executive officer sending the old man home i can't ever not relate to that song yeah sending the old yeah it's just anyway thank you david do we have enough time to ask you real quickly what political pin you have on today sure we got about a minute and a half left thank you is that a formal request yes i'm a democrat for wilkie today oh you are Yes. I'm not really a Democrat. Don't worry. People aren't crashing into polls and into street signs out there in the <laughs> Metro Phoenix. Yeah, yeah. Wendell Wilkie. All right. You've become a little bit of an expert on Wendell Wilkie. I guess. Yeah. I, the other day I found this really interesting article that said when he, he – because he ran in 40, as most people know, but most people forget that he also ran in 44 but uh, died during primary season. That's right. That's right. Um, and he had these grandiose plans. He was very close friends with FDR after he lost the 1940 election. Right. He had these very interesting plans in 44 to create a sort of post-war uh, progressive party yes. with Roosevelt. Yeah. And uh, neither of them survived the war. That's how you got Democrats for Wilkie, I suppose. Yeah, that was, that was my <laughs> right. kind of uh, – yeah, that's, yeah. That's, that's what this is for. All that's right. why we admire Goldwater's change. Yeah, a choice, a choice, not an, not an echo. echo. Yeah, Nicely yeah, done. You yeah, yeah, you were yeah. picking up what I was thinking. All right, we'll be right back. 
Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.